Does anyone have an extra skull at home? <laughs> I mean, a full size, a real one or a model. And, and modern man, not Neanderthal. You know, we all have Neanderthal DNA in us. We all do. So we have relatives like that. And if you've ever seen the uh, uh, pictures of Neanderthals, they have these you know, big brows and I want to see if anybody still has some of that. <laughs> but I'm talking about a modern skull. Now, if you have seen pictures, paintings of St. Jerome, who translated the Bible into Latin, you'll see him at his desk and there's a skull there. There's always a skull. The reason being was so that he could remember that he was finite. He was going to die. He knew he was going to die and he wanted that reminder. Anybody have a skull like that to remind us that we're going to die? Now in our culture, we don't want to think of it and it's kind of like it's morbid. Well, if it's morbid, then Paul was really morbid. Because if we heard clearly what he said, he said he wants to be with the Lord, which means he wants to die. And he says that's the better thing. Now it may be necessary for him to keep on living, but he truly wants to be with the Lord, and he knows that can only happen through death. So, you know, he had his act together. I don't think he was committing the sin of presumption that if he died, he'd go to heaven. But he has this confidence in following Christ. And so he's not afraid to contemplate the fact that he's going to die someday. And last week, we had a wonderful speaker at our Day of Renewal, Peter Herbeck, who brought up that very thing that we don't want to think about our deaths, and yet it's going to happen. Unless I'm wrong, I think we're all going to die, right? And we don't know when or how that's going to happen. And that shouldn't bother us, because if we're focused on Christ, and that's the question, if we're focused on Christ and doing as best we can each day to be a faithful disciple, not just a pew-sitter, but a disciple, Death is going to be something that, yes, we recognize and hopefully we even sort of look forward to because there is absolutely nothing in this life, nothing that can fulfill our desire for joy and hope and so forth and so on. There isn't. There isn't. Now, of course, we get caught in the culture. We get caught up in what the culture says you need to be happy. Uh, we, we get brainwashed, really. You know, the culture says, um, get a house. And uh, if you've ever seen any of these, I don't know why I watch them. You know, I, I start looking at them. I think, oh, my God. You know, people who are renovating their homes and what they're putting into them. Or uh, this one that keeps coming up on Facebook about um, the bride's gown. And what they go through, and I'm thinking, what in the name of all that is sacred? Who cares about the gown? You're getting married. But, you know, they want the perfect gown. And so the people who are fitting them are going nuts. The people who want the gown are going nuts. But, you know, we get into that. We get into that. And, of course, people will say, well, I saw that at my friend's wedding, and I want that too. Why? Why? And here's a real good example of how we've been brainwashed by the culture. We would not think 
if we have a house not to have a lawn, right? Did you ever think of that? A lawn. What good is a lawn? You know, we think it looks nice because we've been taught it's supposed to look nice. And if you have a house, you're supposed to have a lawn. So who here enjoys mowing their lawn and weeding? <laughs> but you see, you see how we buy into that, but we don't buy into the scripture or Jesus. In fact, a lot of people will say most Christians are really nothing more than um, atheists or pagans. Pagans is the word they use. Because, you know, we talk one way here, we think one way, we praise God one way, but when we go out into the world, we bow before the gods of the world. You know, if our lawn is not perfect, or what will the neighbors say? Who cares? It's not natural, really, when you think of it. It's not. And yet, we get pulled into it. Well, Paul got pulled into his relationship with Jesus. So he's the model we're supposed to be following. And when the world says, well, how about this? How about that? We're saying, no, that's passing. That's not important. What's important is every single moment of my day, I'm trying to think about the Lord, what the Lord did, and to do what he did. And so the scriptures, again, are not just readings about things that happened years ago and don't have any real effect on us or supposed to have an effect on us, but rather they're supposed to guide us each and every day so that when we go into the world that's saying, you should do this, you should have that, you should have this kind of vacation, you should have this kind of outfit, whatever, we're saying, no, I shouldn't have that, I, I don't need it. Why should I have that? It's really only when it comes to our faith in Jesus that we should be talking about shoulds. Yeah, I should follow the Lord. And not just should, but actually work at it. But contemplating our deaths is, is not a bad thing, really, as Paul tells us. And if we had 24 hours to live, what would we do in the next 24 hours? I think we, we'd find... Um, that there'd be a lot of things which we just don't want to deal with because they're not important. Or what is important is that maybe we want to talk to people and say, thanks, thank you for your love. But everything else, it's all going to rot. Our bodies are going to rot. But the reality of God's love is always there for us. And when we pray uh, our prayers here before Mass, after Communion, it always has something to do with living the life of Christ so that we will be found worthy of living with him for all eternity. That's our goal. That's our goal. But do we think that way no matter where we are? You know, I, again, you know, Wegmans is a curse. <laughs> You go into Wegmans, they keep changing the products, and you're, you're walking, oh, what's that? You know, it's kind of like, well, maybe I'll try it. And then if they don't have a particular brand that we want, we get annoyed, right? I mean, how stupid, how silly, as opposed to getting annoyed when we, we miss a chance to show the love of God. But that's how, how strong our culture is. And the more we can contemplate death, which says none of that is important, the more hopefully each and every day we're going to live more fully our faith. 
that we're not going to give in to uh, despair or despondency or even impatience because something has come up that I have to attend to, which is a good thing. But we're going to say, no, no, that's the real thing. And it doesn't, doesn't matter if we feel you know, pulled this way or that. The feelings are nothing. The, what's important is that we actually follow through on doing the good. That's the key. And again, Catholics were really good at getting into our heads and overthinking things and over-emotionalizing things when it's really simple. We know what we're supposed to be doing. And if we look carefully around us, we will see opportunities to really show our faith in Jesus Christ. And it's in the Bible. It's in the teachings of the church. We don't have to work it out. You know, when people say, I don't know what God wants me to do. Well, it's in the Bible. It's all there. And the more we focus on that and the more we practice it, like anything else, the better we will get. And then hopefully we will be looking for the next step and then the next step and then ultimately the fulfilling step, which is death. And so when death comes for us, it's not going to come as a shock, but rather as something we knew would be coming and is one more choice, in a way, to open our hearts to the Lord and to say, Lord, I want to be with you. Now, again, that's Paul. And if you read the lives of the saints, and I think the saints, the communion of saints, are probably the best kept secret in many ways of the church because here are very simple people generally. They don't have a theological education. They're not overthinking things. They get this connection with God and suddenly they're focusing on it. And they're not these pious people who don't want to enjoy the world, but they're better able to enjoy the world because they know it's a gift from God and they want to share that gift with other people. And, and we're called to be saints in that sense too, to really look at the simplicity of our call to go forth, proclaim the gospel, to live it, to invite people into that relationship with Christ so that what God wants for everyone, salvation, will happen more and more. So we have been given many powers and gifts from God so that we can go forth and help people fan into flame the desire for God so that they too won't be afraid of death and everything that might come with it, suffering, for example. No one wants suffering, but we know that's part of life. And if we just keep stepping back and say it's okay, because God is going to lead me through it one way or the other. But death for the, Christian, the, the convicted and convinced Christian is really something to look forward to. Can, can just imagine, you know, one moment we're still in the body. The next moment, hopefully, Jesus is going to say, come on, come on. I mean, what a wonderful thing to contemplate. So uh, St. Jerome did that. And many other saints did that. And people do that even today. So, you know, anybody got a 3D printer? You can print a skull. You know, you can make anything. Maybe we should sell them out here. And then when visitors come in, they go, what is this? <laughs> and, but then they say, oh, Halloween's coming. No, no, no. Got nothing to do with Halloween. It's got to do with the fact that we are finite creatures. We're going to die. And we want to be ready. We don't want to fear it, and we want to grab other people's uh, focus, too, so that they, too, 
will be able to give everything because they know they have nothing to lose. It's not about houses, it's not about lawns, it's not about gardens, it's not about possessions, it's not about wills, but it's about the true treasure, which is God. And we have that treasure. It's free. All we have to do is to be faithful in following him each and every day. So, you know, go forth. Think about, um, you know, your death. What, maybe some things, you know, little practical details you might want to get out of the way. But, you know, the reality is going to happen. So why not be prepared? And who better to be prepared than Christians? And again, Paul is the perfect example of it. He gave up everything, followed the Lord, and he truly wanted to be with the Lord because he had this wonderful desire, this wonderful relationship with God and knew that it was only God, only God, who could fulfill all his desires and hopes. And it's the same with us. So we're supposed to live differently when we go out into the world, not get caught up in really trivia or things that are unimportant, but maybe to say, yeah, that's interesting, but did you ever contemplate your death? You know, you're not going to hold on to this. And not to make people afraid, but to help people really enjoy the fact that they are the gift from God to themselves and the world. And it's a gift that God wants to keep for himself for all eternity. So let's think about our death. See what, where that might lead us. How it might uh, loosen us up some more to really become the Christian disciples that we want to be each and every day. Not just when we come to church, but particularly when we go to our families, to our businesses, when we go out to eat, when we go shopping. Because really that's, that is the, the public square where we're called to bring this wonderful knowledge of Christ, to bring it to other people who suffer. And that's all of us. We're all called to do it. That's our basic vocation. So to contemplate our death is not a morbid thing, but rather a freeing thing, so that I can be more attentive to God's call in the moment and more ready to serve God and my neighbor.